living our cause. Jack Byrne moved to Kulak from the city centre in the 1960s. Jack tells us about the first time he visited Kulak in the 1950s. At about 17, 18 years of age, the the, the manager of Cadbury's uh, came to visit me in Terenure in the factory and invited me not to East Wall, but to this new factory they were building in a place called Kulak. Mm. And I, from Renla, never heard of such an outpost of, of the bale. So I decided to have a look at it. I was offered after the job. Uh, so I got a bus into town and inquired from several people what bus goes out to Coolock. And I think the, the best they could do was a bus to Donny Kearney. I got off at the church mm. and someone pointed. The road running up had a few houses on it, but it was fairly much a country road running up hill so I started trudging up through up through and no arcane roundabout or anything like mm. that eventually found myself going in through this nice little village which is Kulak village the road actually ran through the village mm. and there in front of me was this sparkling new huge factory uh, like most people listening to this will know the Cadbury factory but there were very few houses around it and an awful lot of fields and I stood in dismay first of all at the distance I'd have to travel every day to get to this place and mm. two I, it seemed to me a, a madness a folly to build a factory that needed looks like it needed so many workers and there was hardly anybody any inhabitants in the area they of course would have known the plans for building housing all over the place but to a, to a young 17 year old who wasn't taking any interest in such things this seemed like madness to build this factory and I sort of said to myself this is not going to last there's not enough people in this sleepy little Kulak village to maintain and to resource this big factory so I turned on my heel and went back downhill and said I'll never visit that Kulak place again says I but uh, of course by the 60s I was married uh, and we wound up in uh, getting one of the uh, corporation houses and even more I was happy enough, never looked back. Uh, I enjo- have enjoyed my time uh, living on the north side, uh, getting heavily involved with, with community activities, even mm-hmm. over in Edenmore, helping to set up the Tenants Association, the local GAA club we set up, uh, helped at the, even from there to help to set up what was what became Coolagartain Credit Union. There was a sort of a purchase house thing, uh, Kil- Kilmore Coolock, it was corporation purchase houses. So we moved from the rented accommodation in Edenmore to just across the road here off the Oscar Trainer Road to uh, purchase houses. And that's been where we've lived ever since. And again, I got heavily involved in set- the Residents Association, uh, various other activities, uh, just community activities. So, and of course, involved in helping to set up Lear FM Community Radio as well. So, uh, my experience was that I, I sort of saw this whole area grow from fields to being filled relentlessly with houses uh, and people and people's activities and rows and aspirations. And I sort of watched the north side around Coolock from this sleepy little village that I first encountered. I now see it as a very thriving hub of, of community activity. Jack puts a time frame on the change of Coolock from country to suburb. By the 60s, the area was fairly well built up. I mean, the whole Edenmore area was built up. Cameron Estate was there, uh, working up the Malahide Road. Uh, the, the road bypassing the village was already in place, a small mm. dual carriageway. From the time I sort of trudged back down the hill, putting Coolock behind me and thinking I'd never see it again, to a decade later, 
there was a huge amount of activity and growth in the area, uh, houses, factories, uh, extra shops. Uh, you know, you could see the change, and I could see, I could see then why Cadbury's had found this greenfield site and built extensively on it, with the purpose of uh, having a, a good local workforce available to them. Mm. And then, of course, Tato came along as well. And That's right. That whole area. That there were those, there were several of those big factories there, and they they all were built on that side. So, and shortly after that, that whole warehousing industrial mm. estate was created. So, it was an amazing transformation of the area from a greenfield, a very rural area, uh, in the space of say twenty years. Uh, it was heavily populated, uh, uh, industrial. Uh, and there were busy factories. Tato was a huge factory and huge employer, and there was Berger there as well. And and Calvary's was a huge employer at that stage, you know. And as these grew, like obviously the amenity, amenities in the area must have grown as well. Like, was there a picture house uh, close by? Was there not at that stage? No, no, that that was much later coming. Much, much later coming. No, there was nothing in that sense. Uh, we, we really had to trek into town, uh, you know, for for uh, the cinema. Jack tells us about the transport links in the area. In moving to uh, Edenmore, I had uh, sort of evolved from working in the factory to becoming a sales rep mm. for, so I had, a, in fact, thinking back to Edenmore, I probably have one of the few cars in the estate. So it doubled up as school bus and ambulance and uh, I drove to Temple Street Children's Hospital regularly with injured children. And so I was on call 24 hours a day with my company car uh, to make the, or, or collect kids from school or drive kids to school who are late. Uh, I'd, I'd race around to get them to school so uh, I didn't use the bus as much but I, I think the bus service was was reasonably good for, for the area but there, the, the whole cinema that whole cinema complex is there on the on the Malahide Road was much later was mm-hmm. much later coming so entertainment uh, I think you had to sort of head into town for entertainment you know Jack tells us about the focal points of the suburb Mass Wooden still is the, the place. Uh, I mean, even Cooler Village still at the moment of a Sunday morning is chock-a-block. Now with cars where people used to walk on foot from, to, to to it, you know. But it's it's cars now, generally. In building the new church already, that the automobile was dominant and the, there was there's more space for a car park than the size of the church. So people now... Yeah, I, no, there was nothing much... Uh, the, as I say, people made their own fun. We we used the school hall in Edenmore. Uh, they had a, a school assembly hall, and we used that uh, as a fundraiser for community activities. We ran concerts in it, uh, so that was a sort of a focal point. Uh, the pub, of course, was another focal point. Uh, we we had in in Edenmore the, the the shopping sort of complex that was built, single story shop, wasn't a shopping centre. Mm. Uh, but a, a range of uh, local shops and I think there was two pubs in it so uh, and we were actually trying to build a community centre at the time so we were raising using the school hall to raise funds for a community centre uh, so even then I was heavily involved in that and with the uh, uh, Edenmore Gales uh, Gaelic club that we set up in the area when a population is big enough uh, people will uh, create entertainment venues, places for them. So the cinemas came along then as well, and and the sort of pool halls that were there. Ill-famed Stardust uh, was a huge complex in the early seventies. Uh, it was a very much a focal point for for activities. For I mean, there were sort of showbiz, big showbiz, or names on the way out, but still relatively popular act, acts would uh, appear in the Stardust. Mm. So uh, that was a big focal point, but. It was never planned well in the sense of Darndale, I remember, 
was planned. I remember talking to the parish priest who came over from Liverpool to be the priest for Darndale and he was showing us. He was already here before the, when the plans were only at, on paper and it, this was to be a model uh, development. Uh, cars went round the periphery. The walkways were for pedestrians and of course it, it it sounds look on paper it looked good and but it, it just degenerated so quickly that mm. the the walkways just became dangerous alleyways by times for people you know there wasn't much joined up thinking across the whole area by the by the authorities uh, houses were thrown up in great numbers uh, and that's been the the case up to very recently <clears throat> nothing seems to be learned about putting in facilities for for citizens as well as building housing for them you know uh, and i think that's still a problem i think i don't think the uh, powers that be have still learned from that you know they just keep doing the same thing repeating it putting up loads of houses thinking there you are and people have nowhere when they open the hall door they've nowhere to go nothing to do in the case of Edenmore there was a huge housing crisis in that a lot of the old Georgian houses in the city centre were collapsing mm. I mean, instead of instead of being restored I mean these were fine houses, fine buildings, and, and with a history. Hmm. Uh, and they were crumbling. I mean, there was a couple of deaths where they collapsed on people. Uh, so there was a sort of an emergency housing drive, and that's why Edenmore was actually built uh, to to house people from the city centre and so on. Uh, we, we were li actually living in, in uh, as a young married couple, we were living in uh, Mountjoy Square uh, in one of these houses. Fine houses, lofty rooms, you know. Uh, but... Death traps. We almost were burnt to death one time, and the house went on fire, uh, and the ent entire interior of the house was wooden stairs, landings. It was just a uh, a brick shell with entire timber inside mm. it. It would. We luckily enough, we 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 got out in time. We got the fire brigade, but uh, one, there was one death. But we were then offered housing in in Edenmore, this newly created uh, housing estate. But it was just a housing estate and a school, a little school and a church. Of course, you you got you got the the rudiments. But uh, after that, for entertainment, you were on your own. You know, I mean, I grew up during the sort of the Teddy Boy era. Uh, I never quite indulged, but. Uh, I sort of had my hair like Tony Curtis and mm. uh, I tried to walk like John Wayne but uh, there wasn't much violence at all I mean you were fairly safe an odd time if a couple of fill up for a few drinks but throw up a weak sort of ineffectual punch at someone you know but there was nothing like the organised crime that uh, Dublin is blighted with now, you know, where it really is organised uh, and, and dangerous you know Jack tells us about the arrival of Northside Shopping Centre it was the 70s and in fact uh, again me being an activist we placed a picket on it the first week it opened <laughs> it opened uh, it was built like a fortress because they had a mindset that were in Coolock uh, and, and so all the shops were turned in so we, we couldn't the, the louts outside couldn't keep breaking the plate glass windows I presume that was the mindset but it was built like a fortress I mean the, over the last 20 years they've brightened it up and they've put glass in the ceiling I mean you can see it now they've done a fine job on it recently uh, but initially it was dark inside, it was concrete ceilings and uh, no no natural light getting into it at all and heavy duty uh, security men on the doors. This is what angered local people. Kids were stopped, almost frisked going in. Uh, so we organised pickets and protested at this presumption uh, of criminal activity before you even went in to shop or look around so hmm. uh, we, we forced a change of attitude uh, very early on in on, on Northside Shopping Centre since then of course we I suppose I've had a good relationship with, with the people managing the centre ever since and they've been helpful and supportive of community activities ever since you know but the initial mindset had to be changed 
Jack tells us some of his favourite memories in the area. In general, I have to say I've enjoyed my switch from the south side to the north side. I mean, when I come over here, first of all, a, a friend from the south side said to me, uh, you know, uh, they call everyone on the north side Batman. And I said, why would you call everyone on the north side Batman? He says, because you never come into town without Robin, you know. So <laughs> uh, so that was my first introduction to the south side's view of the north side. <laughs> so, uh, as I say, no, I, I've made some very good friends uh, on the north side. I've certainly enjoyed my, it's half a century now, God, uh, of living here, you know, and putting down, I've put down roots. My kids have grown up now as north siders and I'm sure wouldn't ever want to move, you know. I've enjoyed the activity the camaraderie, the friendships that I've made uh, and I've enjoyed and I think I'm sort of pleased with the input I've made into social life on the on the north side of the city. This programme was made with the support of Culture. For more information on this series, please visit nearfm.ie forward slash living hyphen archives. Living Archives is a growing collection. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please contact us at documentary at near.ie.